I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to not listen. If you can't recognize the moment because you're, you're not listening because you're so tuned into like your, your map and your flow, you know, your game plan that you miss a big opportunity. Like that's the biggest mistake I think we can make. All right, I'm here with the one and only Cameron Irwin. Cam, thanks so much for being here. I'm stoked to be here. I mean, virtually be with you. <laughs> with you. Cam, you played your volleyball at Oregon and Washington State as a, as a setter. You played pro in Europe, in Sweden, in Austria. And you're now a broadcast journalist and TV host for ESPN, the Pac-12 Conference, and Amazon Prime at, on the AVP Pro Tour. Uh, your Instagram is at Cameron Irwin. Cameron, again, thanks so much for being here. I am so stoked to be here. Thanks for having me on. For great, sure. Great intro. <laughs> All the details down. <laughs> Cam, let's jump right into it. What does living an inspired life mean to you? Oh, man. So, you know, I loved you sent me these kind of the context of our conversation. And one of the things I love most is like having deep conversations and you ask me questions that I have not even asked myself in a very long time. Um, and this first one really got to me. So what I kind of came up with in, in a short period of time, um, inspired living to me is probably more so pursuing something, not only that you're passionate about, but something that you feel called to do, um, which is a huge part of me, a huge part of who I am is my faith. And so, you know, throughout my entire career, whether it's athletics or broadcasting, um, you know, as a person, I feel super called to help lead, help connect and help inspire others. So for me, like that's inspired living. That's my concept of inspired living. Um, I hope that does that answer the question well enough? <laughs> oh, that's freaking awesome. I mean, the, the main reason why I wanted you to be on this show is because I get that feeling that you are living your version of an inspired life through the camera which is a, a skill set that I think is like, I, I'd actually like to know where you got that from. Um, oh, well, uh, I would say definitely my background in athletics um, because I grew up, I was the youngest of four kids and it was never like my family forcing us to be competitive, but we were all just super competitive with one another. And so I think I was always such a passionate and like emotive kid that um, through my entire athletic career, like emotion and passion was never something I was short of. <laughs> so I think it's really easy for me to display those things on camera. But um, I think in terms of like where I found my inspiration is definitely from athletics in the sense of I lived so many experiences and whether it was, you know, great successes and victories or massive failures throughout my career, um, I learned so much through the process and through this journey that like my own journey inspired me to tell the stories that I've, that, that come from athletics. And so because I'm so passionate about like how my life was shaped through athletics, it's so easy for me to like hear somebody's story and want to share that and be like, oh my gosh, this inspired me. I know how many people, like how many 12 year old Camerons are out there or, you know, six year old Aaron's are out there listening and being like, I, I want to be like Triborn. I want to be like Cameron Irwin. I want to be like, you know, all these fantastic people, whether it's Phil Dahlhauser or LeBron James. I mean, you name the list and their stories are so incredible. And I think, you know, even if you're not able to do one-on-one -on -one connection or able to go out and work 
you know, specifically in your community, um, you know, servicing your community. It's like, how can we use your story to still help people, even if you don't have the means to be able to, you know, do the the one-on-one -on -one type stuff. Um, so that's, I think, where my inspiration really comes from is how my life was changed through athletics. Um, and then I'm just like, I have no shame in showing emotion and passion. <laughs> and I am so competitive that like, even if I tried to like, hold it back, no matter what I do, it comes out. Um, and then the last element of that, I think, is I genuinely just love what I do. Um, and so yeah. I don't express my joy in these stories and the things I love. Like it's, it's so, I hope it comes across genuine because I, I genuinely love these stories and I love the humans I get to interact with. Um, I feel like it's such an honor to, you know, sit down with somebody and hear their story and then be able to like help share that. Like that's one of the biggest honors I think a broadcaster or a storyteller can really have is to kind of help share someone else's story. So I absolutely um, agree. I mean, and, and that's why I'm doing this too, you know, because I think, I think, first of all, I think it's all about stories, everything, every, there's a story to everything, you know, and to be able to share, like you're talking about, to be able to share that story is a skill, but like the passion that you evoke from it is it's um, it's awesome. Like it, it's in, it's like uh, what's the word? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, you can feel it. Like when I'm a viewer, I can feel your enthusiasm. I can feel your passion for it. And it gets me more engaged in the story that you're trying to tell. So I, yeah. I think a big piece of it too, is like, you never know, you never know who's watching and when they're watching. And so it's also a big part of like the drive, right? Like even if somebody tunes in and whether I'm calling play by play or, you know, doing analysis or even just like a sideline hit, if they're only tuning in for 30 seconds, it's like, what, what impact am I leaving on them in 30 seconds? Right. Right. 30 seconds of a 10 hour broadcast day. It doesn't matter. Sure, sure. It, you have to, you have to always imagine that like someone's there, someone's listening and you have a, you have a responsibility to try and impact that person's life, whether it's with joy, enthusiasm, just yelling, like, they just won the Wilson cup or, you know, like it's those little tiny pieces that I think um, can service people that I think is pretty incredible with what. Yeah. You know, I yeah. Absolutely. And contagious was the word I was looking for because it is contagious. Like, it's just like that, that passion, that love for what you do, it does come off as like, yeah, I want some of that too, you know? <laughs> so well, good. then I've done something somewhat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, we were talking before, I, I wanted you to answer these questions from both an athlete perspective, as well as a broadcast journalist perspective. So talk to me about practice. You know, what does having an inspired practice mean to you from wearing both of those hats? Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me about practice is we're talking about practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it gets six, sticks out. Um, but I think for me, the biggest thing um, when referencing practice is intent, um, passion, objective, and then lastly, competition. And I think the fourth element of that is something that um, has been lost at times. You know, I work, at, I was not only an athlete, I served as a coach since about my sophomore year in college. Um, specifically, I love working one-on-one -on -one with athletes too. Uh, I work in team settings all the time, but like one-on-one, -on -one, I just like absolutely adore. And I think one of the biggest questions is like, how can you compete constantly? So, you know, it's easy to go out and do practice and you're, whether let's say volleyball players, right. You can go out and do serve and pass and just get reps in, but like, 
I want to always add an element of competition to hold myself to certain standards. So even if I'm just doing passing and serving reps, it's like, okay, I need to get eight out of 10, a three pass. Like that's, that's the objective. It's never just like, oh, it kind of, you know, here's the pass. Did I do it well? Did I do it right? And there are times like when you're breaking down technique that, yeah, you can absolutely take out the competition element, but like ultimately, how are you continually competing against yourself? Um, and so, I, I, and I think right now in, and we can get into this later, but like in the landscape, especially in youth athletics, um, like that's the thing I think I try and instill more in athletes that I, I've worked with in the past is like, one, how are you leading and how are you like showing character in what you're doing? And then most importantly, like, how are you competing? Like, are you competing with yourself? Are you competing against the other side? And are you, are you confident enough and like willing and vulnerable enough to show that you're actually competing? Cause I feel like there's this kind of little trend right now in, in athletics and in, in youth that it's like, too, people are too scared, scared to like show emotion and to be passionate because if they show it, then it shows how much they care. And then they feel mm -hmm. like they lose that if they actually lose. And I'm like, no, like, I want you to feel it. I want you to like, that's what fuels you. If you lose, like you should be pissed off. Like it should matter to you. Cause if it doesn't, then like, what the heck are we here for? Right. right. So I guess that's how I, I attack it in an athletic standpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah. But from like a, a practice standpoint for broadcast, like I do the same thing. It's it's a little different now. Like I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm not counting like the reps eight out of ten and you know that sort of stuff. But uh, I think one of the biggest things is you watch film. Like that hasn't changed from me being a volleyball player to now. Like I have to go back and watch the film. I watch what I say. I cannot tell you the notes I have on myself and the things I I hate. The things I need to change. The list is. A million times longer than the things I did well um, and like once you check off the top three things on your list to like improve upon you add three more things to the bottom of the list you know and so I think it's just this constant um, this constant revolving door of like objectives and trying to get better and competing with yourself and you know trying to just constantly level up how can you better connect how can you better tell a story um, but they're so similar how I approached athletics, right. and how you approach the broadcast world for sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think also what I was trying to get at with that question too, is the way you operate is a, is a choice and it's also a practice, right? I mean, you just, you show up in the world with this enthusiasm, with this joy, with, with this passion, with this inspiration. That's a practice too, though, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it, it definitely is. And uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just like, it's a, it's a practice, but it's also, I think it, it comes to me more of like a, a responsibility. Mm. And that sounds really weird, but it comes from, you know, like my family. Um, I was I've been incredibly fortunate to have an, a fantastic family that like my parents are my biggest role models. They are the hardest working people I've ever known. Um, and so every single day, like I, I've had this incredible model in front of me of like, you practice work ethic and you like, there's not even an option to not do your best. Like that was never an option. It was like the, what I always remember my dad used to come to me and say like in moments of, of hard times, whether it was, you know, hard time in a sport or with a coach or maybe a teammate, he's like, you have two options. You can either figure it out or you can quit. And knowing like, when I say quit, that was never really an option. <laughs> like he just threw that out there. It's like, yeah, do you really want to feel that guilty and quit? So uh, um, I think the responsibility is a huge, huge piece of it. You know, um, 
And yeah. I, I, yeah, it just, it comes from my parents more than anything else. I, I've, I have incredible role models that every day practice this and um, I am forever grateful for that. So if I can instill that same and be a role model in that same sense, um, that's where I feel the responsibility to practice that. It's not always easy and I fail all the time at it. There are way hard days um, without a doubt, but um, you know, you gotta, gotta rejuvenate. You gotta remember what fills your cup. Um, and yeah, I definitely, I've, I've failed at, at that practice frequently, but you just kind of have to remember, like surround yourself with good people and hold yourself accountable. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that, Cam. I mean, this is just coming to my mind, but like, what do you say to people out there who might not have anything to practice, right? Maybe, maybe they're not in sports right now, or maybe people, people are trying to figure out where their joy is. I know there's a lot of people out there like that. You know, I think, I think you're, you're among the lucky ones that know exactly what you're doing and know what fires you up, but any advice to anyone out there who might not know? Um, so, you know, it's funny as people see, a very small, like, even though I'm, you know, social media, you see such a small window of the things that I'm actually super interested in. So for those seeking joy, I, I guess my biggest thing is diversify. Like, even though, you know, from my social, it looks like I'm only doing volleyball or I'm, you know, hanging out with my family. It's like, diversify the things you do. I find such joy in creative outlets. So I love graphic design. I can't tell you how many wedding invitations I have made for my friends. Um, you know, I, I love music, so and especially country music. So I listen to music constantly. I've started playing the guitar and the ukulele. Um, and then some days it's like as simple as, can I go to the beach? Can I go for a run with my dog? Um, so I think diversifying your joys and not being scared to try something new. Like I, I broadcast, I'm gonna tell you, I'm not a songbird. Like, the girl's got no voice, <laughs> but like, I'm still picking up the car, guitar, trying to sing and like, you know, doing things that even though you, it's really easy to fail at, like just constantly seeking new creative outlets is the big thing. That's, I guess, where I find a lot of different joy. And then I don't know, I cool. go volleyball too. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's, that's great. Um, let's talk about mindset. Can you just give us a glimpse of you know, when you were playing, what your mindset was and as now as a broadcaster, your mindset pre, during, and post games or broadcast sessions? Yeah. Um, athletically, <laughs> I was uh, a lot like my friend Kevin Barnett. Uh, I was a killer. Like, I just wanted, I wanted to win. I wanted more than anything to win. Um, I was very aggressive as a, as a kid. Like my nicknames were Bam Bam from the Flintstones. Still <laughs> to this day, my family calls me Bam Bam. And um, like Xena, the warrior princess, uh, punk, punky. So if that gives you any insight into my childhood. <laughs> I like Xena, that's a funny one. Let's go Xena. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm, 100%. Uh, but uh, so I think my mindset was always, I just wanted, I don't know why I always had this desire. like. I wanted to win. And I think a large part of that comes from constantly feeling like I was the underdog um, in, in everything I did. Um, you know, I grew up in like very rural backcountry, 10 acre farm, like in, in the volleyball world, I grew up in, you know, Southwest Washington. I had to travel over an hour to get to, you know, club practice. And it was a club that, you know, some of the best kids in Washington and Oregon would like, everyone would travel and try and like play at this club but it wasn't like the Mecca of volleyball world. It wasn't Southern California. You know, I wasn't getting 
private lessons, you know, like now a lot of the kids I've trained in the past, it's like they're getting four, they have four practices a week and then they have three or four private lessons a week. Right. You know, my private lessons was with a basketball hoop and it's just setting into it and then like a random net and peppering with my sisters that played. <laughs> and so, um, I think the biggest thing was for me was like always feeling like I, maybe I didn't have the technical skill, but like, I knew no one was going to be more competitive and no one would outwork me. And so that's, that. that's still the mindset I take now is like, there are a million broadcasters that are thousand times more talented than me that I'm constantly trying to catch up with. And I'm still young in this craft and learning in this craft. Um, but I know like nobody will outwork me. No one will overprepare compared to me. Like I will always prep. And so that's the other piece. So it's like the competitiveness, um, the work ethic and the preparation. And those are the big, the big three for me in terms of mindset going into something. And then just knowing like, regardless of whether you have, you know, the six foot five frame or you're from, you know, Manhattan beach and you've grown up playing something your entire life, or you had all this, this, this background, um, and this pedigree, it's like, you know what, like, I'm going to prove you wrong. No matter what you say, like, if you think I can't do this, like bet me, I'm going to figure out a way. Um, and I failed a lot in that, but I still got better. <laughs> no, but that's, that's great. I mean, it, I think I, I heard you say somewhere that you, you played with a chip on your shoulder when you were playing. Always. Yeah. I mean, do you take that into the broadcasting as well? It was like what you're talking about with that little chip. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, <laughs> I definitely, and it's like in all fronts, it, whether it's indoor volleyball or whether it's college football or, um, you know, I'm even getting into new areas of entertainment, um, that it, like, for instance, I also just did a robotics competition. So anytime oh. somebody like says I can't do something or I don't know enough about something or I'm not intelligent enough to like know something <laughs> like thank you yeah. thank you for saying that to yeah me. it's fuel like, right made me 10 times more driven at my job and I love that like I am I, I set out to prove you wrong and that's and it, it that's I guess a little bit of fulfillment and it's like what kind of drives me yeah. it's like people tell me I'm not enough and I'm like okay, well, watch, watch. <laughs> right. right. And again, I fail at proving it all the time, but it's, it's the constant thought of like, no, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm meant to do. I have confidence in that and I'm going to fail, but I'm always going to be getting better. And mm. I guess that's, that's the success for me is like, did, am I getting better at what I'm doing? Um, so I don't know if that, that kind of, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah always, it's, underdog, always a chip on my shoulder. Um, sometimes it gets a little heavy and I need to like take it off and just take a breath. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for, <laughs> for, for that chip. Well, I was just going to say gratitude. I, I, we, we talked about that earlier with, you know, the AVP being back, you know, for this three week run and, and just having that job. And, you know, I, I feel like gratitude, like this whole project for me is about tools, right? What tools can we implement to stay inspired in our lives, in our craft, right? I feel like gratitude is kind of a, a big one for you, right? I mean, it is for me, you know, and just starting with that first, you know, maybe, and then getting to a little chip on the shoulder, right? And then going into like the other mindsets. 
Yeah. I mean, any chance that you have, any opportunity you have to do, do what you love and to compete at something you love, like what a huge opportunity, what a big blessing. Like there it's, right. <laughs> I am, I am very aware. And I guess that's where the, why I always feel such a responsibility It's because I know what an incredible opportunity I have and it, it's heavy and I am so incredibly grateful for it, but I also like, I know I always have to honor that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, a gratitude without a doubt, anytime you get to get a chance to do what you love is huge. And, you know, I think a great example to speak to gratitude and I, and I've, I've told this story before, but you know, like I, I've, I had been playing professional volleyball. I was playing indoor volleyball overseas um, I was playing some of the best volleyball I've ever played in my life. And I was having a blast. I, I wish I could, I, to this day, I wish I were still playing. Um, and I had a very severe injury and like live with chronic pain every single day. But I even tried when I came back from being overseas, I was like, well, maybe I can play on the AVP tour. You know, I, I hadn't, I didn't grow up in a place where beach volleyball was a big sport by any means. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to learn the game. I'm going to trust that like, I've got good people around me to help train me. Um, you know, I spent a ton of time trying to get my body healthy and recovering and I was in so much pain. I just, I couldn't do it. Like I physically, my body just gave out and said, no, you're done. And so when I got the call for the AVP tour, like I had been sitting there just so brokenhearted that this thing that like dictated over 20 years of my life. Like I started when I was five and like this, this competition was just like stripped from me and not just like in volleyball, like multiple forms of athletic performance, this just gone. And so to get the phone call and be able to be like, I still get to be a part of this family. I still get to have this dream was the biggest blessing in the entire world. And I cannot speak to like the gratitude I have to be able to mm. still be a part and tell stories. And it was like, it was like God just being like, you know what? No, it's time to switch gears. Like, this is what you need, you need to be doing. This is what I've, I've prepared you for. Um, so that's, I guess, yeah. Gratefulness and gratefulness that it was like, Hey, it's time to stop now. <laughs> like this is a hundred percent the direction you need to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, it seems like you looked at that injury and you described the injury in, in the Sandcast episode um, yeah. with Try and, and Travis. Everyone listening, go listen to Sandcast. Those guys are awesome. But um, you you described that injury on when you were jumping. And what you just told me is that you've been able to take that injury as a blessing in disguise, which I feel like a lot of champions, whether they're a champion on the court, champion in life, you, you take things that happen to you and you, you look at them as blessings, right? Yeah. No. Um, and you know, in your, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but yeah, it's like, how do you deal with the concept of failure? Like what is the right. concept of failure? Um, and so I think <laughs> to me, like the biggest thing is your greatest failures are all also your greatest moments of growth. You can't have one without the other. So like when something happens and when pain hits and when everything is taken from you, it's like, you, you have to understand, yes, there is a mourning period and yes, it is going to be the most challenging times in your life, but it's, how do I come back from that? Like having faith and hope that things will be better and they will work out. And you, you have to fight for those things too. It's not just like instantly, like you're going to have to freaking battle, but I am so grateful for everything that 
when I say has gone wrong, <laughs> I mean like the things that I didn't, I didn't think would happen. You know, I didn't think I was going to have to transfer from Oregon to Washington state. Um, I didn't think I would never get to go to an NCAA tournament, you know, like those are things, but I'm, and as painful as some of those, those transitions and those big moments in my life were like looking back, I'm so grateful because I am so much stronger because of them. Like I, yes, I am so grateful for every pain and heartache and challenge. And that's what I always, when I work with kids, that's what I'm always saying. Like, don't just try and take the easy road, you know, like, yeah because you got benched, don't just switch clubs, you know, like figure it out, fight to get back on the court. Like you're going to be 10 times a better person than for you to just like be like, Oh, I'm going to get more playing time over here. And I mean, that's a very small example, but um, one that is, I feel like very prevalent (laughs) in youth sports today. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. And and one, one thing that's coming to mind too, and this is an observation, you know, when I watch you on Amazon prime and I'm a big fan of the AVP and you know, this is what I see. And let me know if this resonates with you. When I see the the way you operate, the way you work is that when you go into a broadcast, you're thinking, what can I contribute? Not what can I take? I feel like, um, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of successful people, we we talked about Geeter earlier, right? Geeter, Geeter had that innate ability to just always contribute you know and um i feel like that's a really good quality and it has to do with your mindset because as you go into a broadcast as you prep for a broadcast you're, you're thinking how can i contribute to make the whole thing better right yeah I, um you know i'm so glad you bring up Geeter and yeah he's such, a, he's such a phenomenal example like you talk about the innate ability to entertain and to bring joy and to do this job with like incredible craft mm-hmm. and mindfulness. And I love Geeter for that because he has that innate ability, but like so few people see how much work he puts into it. And like to see his notes, I'm like <laughs> so creative, but he works his freaking tail off. Like there is a reason this man is so good at his job. And it's not just because like it was gifted to him. It's because he's worked so hard for it. Um, and he preps like he should. And it's so shout out to Geeter. I hope you hear this man. Cause I, you are like, he's like my idol and I'll, every other <laughs> Kevin Barnett and Dane are going to give me a hard time about this too, but Geeter, I love you. Um, but to answer your question, where am I going with this? Cause you brought up Geeter and then I get distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just wondering, cause I, I, I was thinking about the contribution part yeah. of your mindset, right? Like how you yeah. contribute to the big picture. Um, so what's so funny is people, I think, always assume that if you're on TV, you're on TV because you want to be seen. Right, right. <laughs> I'm actually the opposite. <laughs> so I, I love my job and like, yeah, there's fun elements of like, you know, being on camera and getting to do all these fun interviews. And it's like, there is, there is a lot of joy in that, but like, ultimately my, every time I step in front of a camera, like it should never be about me ever. Right. That's right. Never my story. Like it's, I'm not there to talk about myself and my main objective. Like I wish there weren't cameras, you know, 90% of the time. I just, because I want to try and get the best story out of you. Like how can I help you inspire people? It's not how I can inspire people. And so I think Geeter does a phenomenal job at that. Like he knows more than anybody else and he connects with the athletes and he gets nuggets of information because they genuinely enjoy him and trust him. So it's like, can I build relationships like that so that I'm better able to serve those friendships and um, 
ultimately like my job is to be there for you and to like make your story known. It's not about me. And so that's, that's, I guess, how I always try and, you know, attribute everything I do on air. And of course, like elements of you are always going to pop out, um, you know, fun jokes and little things and your personality, but like, how can you weave those things in while also still like doing your service, which is telling someone else's story? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, again, that's, that's exactly why I wanted you to be a part of this because I feel like you, you do that innately, right. But you play the game. And that goes back to this whole thing of a game, right? Like even the broad, like I know we're, we're covering, you're covering a game with beach volleyball and the AVP. So you're constantly surrounded by a game, but would you also say that broadcasting is a game in itself? Oh my gosh. It's, uh, the perfect example is like a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, especially play by play. Mm. I play by play. Cause it's something that I never saw myself doing when I first entered this this industry. Um, but once I was put in a position to do it, I, it is the biggest challenge to me. Um, which is why I think I enjoy it the most. And also like, that's why I love covering other sports. It's like the puzzle of figuring out how can I best tell these stories? How can I best cover this sport? Um, and it's as, it's as simple as like, you have so many different elements of a story that, you know, you've got the setup and you have the, the background and the, the setting and you want to be descriptive in your storytelling. And so you're kind of setting the scene and then it's like, okay, well, how can I, how can I still tell the story while watching the action and fit it together? How can I tie this scene set to the play you're seeing on, on the court? And then it, it, it goes back to like, okay, point finishes. How can I circle back to the story? And ultimately like the entire game should be a story in itself. So like the finish, like the finishing scene is, you know, the finish of the monster hydro cup or the Wilson cup. And it has this big element of victory. Right. it's like all these pieces and all these players over a two or three day period, they all have to fit together. So how can you make each of their stories intertwine and still let the the play speak through more than anything? Cause it is a competition like that needs to speak for itself, but uh, it's a huge puzzle and it's just about trying to, fit them all together to best come up with the image that is whether it's your story or the AVP or the Wilson cup. It's like, how can we fit these pieces together? Totally. You know, I actually did a play by play this past weekend when I took, I took a small break from Amazon prime and I did it on my IG and, and it was, it was hard, you know, I had fun with it. Um, but it, it was, di- yeah, it's not easy. And I, and I think a lot of people don't understand the mental toll that it takes you know, uh, going back to the Sandcast episode, you were talking about how mentally drained you guys are after a tournament, right? Because it's just like so much mind power, you know? Yeah. Talk about, I, talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, I think it's even, it's funny because with no fans at these tournaments, it's almost, it's more draining. And I think, you know, we, we were asking the athletes leading up to these events, all like in, in private conversations multiple times, like, how do you think it's going to, how do you think it's going to affect your play? Will it affect you? Will you notice it? Will you not? And, you know, most, they all had different answers, but most of the time it was like, well, you know, it's probably going to feel a little bit like, you know, practice or, you know, a country quota type match. Um, but like, ultimately, like we'll get into it and we're like laser focused. And, and then now talking to them after a couple of tournaments, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, it's really easy to be like super laser focused on the competition. Um, but for us as broadcasters, it's 10 times harder. <laughs> right. 
where there right. might be like gaps in in the broadcast where you know you're showing the scene and you're showing the fans and it's so easy just to like let the sights and the sounds tell the story and that you know like that's what we're trained to do like let it speak for itself in these type of environments you're like there there are no fans like you always have to bring the energy you always have to be on um you got to bring the joy every moment of every second um and it was so funny phil actually phil dollhauser has mentioned it on the last two broadcasts and i know people have found it so comedic because they keep messaging me about it like oh my gosh phil just said like how hard your job is <laughs> like when i asked him to call play by play he's like this is your job like you just have to fill like dead airspace and I'm yeah like, <laughs> yeah well welcome to my job um so and it, it is a joy to get to do that but you know it's so funny to have people come on and be like whoa just to, like call a match and to right. feel how it's just you're exerting so much energy and then it's hard too because with the amount i prep i get very little sleep so then it's like, how long can you last you know so usually mondays i'm like dead to the world uh, right phones off no one talked to me uh, well you know i actually asked <laughs> yeah no, I, I, it makes sense. But I asked Geeter about that because Geeter had, going back to Geeter, you know, he has yeah. that ability to always be on, you know, and I asked him about how he manages that. And let's, we can, this is a good segue to emotion, like emotionally, how to manage always being on, always seeing that camera, you know, and like always, always having attention on you. So how do you emotionally manage that? Because you have to do that for your job. You do. Um, so it's funny, I think most people look at me and I'm probably like, oh my gosh, she's such an extrovert. Um, but I'm probably the most like, I'm very I'm introverted and extroverted at the same time. I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. Okay. Uh, so when, <laughs> when I'm off camera and when I'm like around my people and you know, whether it's my friends or my family, you know, I love to, I love to still entertain, but like, I am very, I just love to exist sometimes. <laughs> And just be, huh? So in environments where like I am called to give, I'm constantly giving, you know? So whether it's coaching, like I am all in, I am exhausted. Even when I was coaching, I was exhausted afterwards, you know, whether it was a one hour practice or a three hour practice or, you know, like it, it, when I'm giving, I'm fully giving of myself. And then when I'm not in an environment like that, like uh, whether, you know, if I just get to be relaxing with my, my parents or my siblings or my nieces and nephew, you know, I always love to help out and, you know, love taking care of the kids and doing that stuff. But even then it's like, how can I just be? Um, and yeah, it's important. Uh, yeah. And I know there's at one point you kind of asked me like, a, a, what's the big piece of advice? But one thing my mom always says to me is, and it's really resonated in the last few years is be a human being, not a human doing. Mm. And so I, I'm always a human doing, like I'm always looking to figure out what's the next thing? How can I progress? How can I get better? What's the next step? And what's, you know, what's the next victory? How can I keep leveling up? When in reality, like your personal life suffers so much for that. And so when I'm not doing those things, I am just like a normal human. <laughs> like, <laughs> you probably think I'm constantly doing it. And I'm like, no, like I just, I like to hang out with my friends. I like to go down to the beach and play volleyball. Um, you know, I love hanging out with, my godchildren and my nieces and nephew and um so i think that's i guess how i manage the energy output is when i'm not doing that like i'm just a normal human <laughs> and i just enjoy like everyday life stuff and so i've been i've been trying to work on that because that's the stuff i feel like really helps kind of balance out that. Holy. and rest <laughs> 
Totally. You got to recharge the batteries, you know, you got to take the alone time. And, 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 you know, I think for, cause I agree with you, I'm the same. I'm, I'm very extroverted. I love being around people. I love being social, but I also like taking my alone time and just like you're saying, like being, and I think, you know, um, it's hard to find that balance for a lot of people. I feel like, you know, and it's a practice. Like we were talking about practice really. I like, even that's a practice giving yourself that time, you know, and not, not on your phone all the time. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. I'm not, I'm, you know, but, but doing our best to, to say, Hey, you know what, this is my life right now in this moment, I'm going to be, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I mean, a perfect, very small, excuse me, yeah. example of that is, you know, one of the practices I've learned in the last two years working on, on the ABP tour and with Amazon is like Mondays after events. I, I used to like, try and do things or it was a travel day and I'm like no like it's okay just to not not talk to anybody like right right it's okay to sleep you haven't slept in 72 hours (laughs) like you know recover it's okay to not like you have to be on so Monday is always like my day where I'm like it's just it's my Cameron day (laughs) like I I just kind of hide that's great I love that definitely that's a practice I've I've come up with for sure I want to ask you about flow and I want to ask you about it again from those two hats, the athletic hat and the broadcasting hat. Cause it's really interesting to me. Is it something that you think that you can identify? I've been asking all the champions that I've talked to that. And I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. And I'm so curious to know what other people say here. Um, so to me, there's absolutely a flow, um, a flow in athletics and a flow in broadcasting. Now, one of the things that has always stuck with me is when I was in college, uh, just like writing for the athletic department, writing for the local newspaper, um, I used to chase after big names to try and get interviews for. <laughs> I was like a no-name athlete, like nobody cared, but I was like, I can get this interview. And one of the interviews I chased after was uh, Michael Gervais, who is one of the top sports psychologists in the United States. Shout out Michael. Yes. Yes. He's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And Go everyone go listen to uh sorry to interrupt go listen to finding mastery by michael gervais he's amazing go ahead absolutely amazing and so and to uh to his credit thank you michael because so so kind i remember um we had connected on twitter at some point um and then i had reached out and like asked him for an interview it didn't end up working out but i randomly was on a travel trip with the Washington State volleyball team. And I ran into him at the airport in Seattle. <laughs> he was in the line at Starbucks in front of That's me. Funny. And I like looked at him. And I'm like, "Are you? Are you Michael?" And he turned around. And he's like, "Yeah. Are you Cameron?" I'm like, "Yeah." I asked for an interview, so I ended up getting this interview. Like crazy happenstance. But the uh, topic of the article I was writing was the X factor. You know, we talk about the X factor, and I think it's very similar to like the flow state, right? And I I thought there were he was going to have some like crazy thing of like, what really is the X factor? Is it chemistry? Is it trust? Is it, you know, uh, some sort of foundation and like uh, unified experience. And I love the fact that I went in totally with this interview thinking like, I knew the answers he was going to tell me. I had all these questions written out. And the first question I asked him was like to define it. And he's like, yeah, there is no thing called the X factor. And I'm like, oh gosh, (laughs) I had all these questions like my interview just got thrown out the window and I'm like well there goes my article in a sense what was incredible is you know he talked about like the x factor is more so like did you are you prepared and so to me like that really stuck with me is 
the, the, the X factor is the preparation you put in. So that encompasses all things. It does encompass trust. It does encompass the found, like your foundation, your values, all of that good stuff that goes into having this flow state, this X factor. And that's true to my athletic career as well as broadcasting. Like I feel like I'm in the flow state when I'm broadcasting because of the amount of content and preparation I've done beforehand, the number of times I've practiced. Um, and there are definitely elements where I'm like, oh, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. And there are moments I got to fight to be in that flow state without a doubt. And it's just like, whether the games, you know, a 15 point differential or there, are, you know, are other circumstances going on. You're like, you got to figure out a way to get there um, and kind of portray that you're in that flow state. But I think, you know, obviously elements like fans and energy and those kind of things always kind of help make you feel that way. But ultimately, sure. Flow state to me is your dedication to your craft, your preparation, and um, like I think through every scenario <laughs> that could go on in any sort of event. And so I think if I have all of these, like uh, I think a map of like a flow chart, you know, like if I have all of these scenarios that I've prepared for, I can flow in any of those directions. So it may pop this direction, it may go this another way, and as long as I prepared for any direction, the conversation could go, like I can be in my quote unquote flow state. So you're basically saying you're banking on your prep, you're banking on your, your training, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm banking on the fact that like, I have prepared for every scenario. And even if something happens that I haven't prepared for, like ultimately, ultimately I ask myself the question like, like you're human, what do you wanna know? Like, mm. what, is, what does my mom want to know watching? What does grandma want to know when she's watching? Mm. So like, even if I come across something where maybe I'm not as prepared for, like, put your hat on of your viewer and then figure out, like, what questions are they wondering? What do they want to know? What do they want to see? And then you go down that path. Um, I love that. I love that. That's contribution, right? Like, that's contributing to your viewer, right? In the best possible way. And there's, yeah. and that's the thing. It's like, it's not just one viewer. Like, I have to speak right. to you. I have to speak to grandma. I got to speak to your friend tuning in. I got that right. maybe they've never even seen beach volleyball or football and they don't understand like what is an offensive line. And as simple as that is like that happens more than like you could ever imagine. You know, one of the questions I still get all the time, I was just talking to, to Jeremy Casey about this yesterday. It's like, you know, we, we take for granted the fact that like, yeah, we know what a line and angle block is. We know what all mm -hmm. the fingers mean, you know, but like, to the viewer, I can't tell you how many times in my inbox on Twitter and Instagram, I still am getting questions like, hey, what are, what's the finger mean? Like, why are they <laughs> that? And I'm like, so it's always a good reminder as much as like we have this incredible base of people that like are the volleyball aficionados or the football aficionados or the robotics aficionados because I'm calling those type events now. It's like you still have to hit all facets of your audience. So I don't know. That's again, another piece of the flow state is like, you're, I'm flowing when I, no, I love that. I've got everybody intertwined and everyone's getting a little something that they need. I love that. Can you offer any tools to, let's say an up and coming broadcaster or a podcaster uh, who gets stuck in, in a moment, maybe like they're out of the flow and they're like get a little nervous and they get stuck. What, what's something that they can use in that moment? Um, I think one of the biggest things that, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to not listen. And it's so mm. hard. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm an over preparer. So like we have this concept and I love to have structure, but 
to throw the structure out the window sometimes. Like if you can't recognize the moment because you're, you're not listening because you're so tuned into like your, your map and your flow, you know, your game plan that you miss a big opportunity. Like that's the biggest mistake I think we can make. Um, so the biggest piece of advice is just be human. Like, I know that sounds super simple, but, but you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be super eloquent. Like, People just want to have you be real and be genuine. Like that's what they connect to. And yes, you've got, you Love know, like the Reese Davises who are all of those things combined, you know, eloquent and have this huge background of knowledge and um, have the ability to recognize the moment. Like that's what we all try to like kind of aspire to be like, but like ultimately come down and just be human, like be friends, be in the moment with that person and you might not always say the right thing. I can't tell you how many times I've screwed up and said the wrong thing and I've stumbled on my words, but it's like, can you still just be in the moment with that person and yeah. put people in? Yeah, I love that. And be kind, you know? And one of the things I've I heard recently regarding listening with this whole racism thing that's going on too is listen to relate, not to react. Oh. And I love that because... Yeah, because I just feel like we all react so quickly and just it's like even volleyball, right? It's a reactive sport, right? That's just where our minds are kind of trained to react and trained to be defensive too. And especially when we get emotional about, you know, topics that are going on in the world. But I love that idea of listening to relate, especially when it comes to podcasting or, or broadcasting or trying to explain someone's story. When you can relate to them, it, it you know, it shows, you know. Yeah. And it's, and your story, uh, there are so many examples, you know, I, I think of my background. One of the first things I had to do as a journalist was write, um, like these cover stories for the football program, for the game, like the game day bios for all of our football seniors. And I'm still like an athlete at the time at Washington state. And I remember being like, I have 250 words to tell this story. And I would sit down with these athletes and I will never forget the moment. It was like, I, ha I had this incredible athlete with me and he was telling me how, um, his sister was a victim of a drive-by shooting. And I literally, I'm like, how, Whoa. it was a huge piece of his story. And I have two, 250 words. And I'm like, Whoa. how, one, like, obviously I feel like I've, I, this person is trusting me with this, this story. And so like the responsibility and the gravity of, you know, the things he's, he's talking to me about were so immense. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, how, how you got to take the time. Like you got to take the time to think over things and, and try and find creative ways and talk to other people. I can't tell you, like after I did this interview and it was incredible and he's still someone that is so near and dear to my heart. He taught me some of the biggest lessons, you know, as a journalist of like, okay, how do you handle a story and how do you handle content and how, how do you service the, like the athlete and the viewer? Cause this is so, it, this has the opportunity to be so impactful to so many young athletes and so you're sitting there and you're like, how do I do this? And so, you know, it's, it's asking questions. It's asking him and just being genuine and feeling the pain that he feels like th there's no way I can, I can feel that. Cause I haven't, you know, I haven't experienced that myself, but just even uh, the attempt to, to, to try to understand and to, to feel the empathy and to, it, it's the, I think the greatest thing we can have as a journalist to be able to then try and reiterate some of those emotions. Um, and then mm -hmm. also, <laughs> being also genuine enough to be like, I like, what do you like, write it or tell the story and like, go back to the person. Is this, is this what you meant? Am, am I, am I addressing this the best possible way? Is this your voice? Did I do your voice? 
And I think so many times we, we either don't take the time or we get so caught up. It's like, did I tell that story right? Is that person happy with that story? You know, like I, we need to, I think we all need to do that more as storytellers, especially when it's a great one stories. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Um, you know, this is coming to my mind right now, but I want to, I want to ask you this and let you speak to this. I feel like the world right now, specifically the online world, right? Whether it's Instagram or, you know, Amazon prime, whatever it may be like the online platforms. I feel like, I feel like those platforms are like seeking authenticity more than ever before. Oh, without a doubt. Right. Speak to that a little bit. Like, what does that mean to you? And, and, and can we inspire other people out there who might be listening to like figure out what that really means? Oh, see, and this is the same thing. Like, you know, think before, <laughs> before I really want to make sure I answer this uh, the best possible way. Um, I, you know, I've always with, with platforms, whether it's my own social media or, you know, I've worked for Facebook, I've worked for Amazon and I'm working with, I'm starting to work with other, you know, streaming platforms as well. And even just regular linear networks and television. Um, I, there, there is a disingenuineness um, that I think has kind of developed with social media um, over the last, you know, decade of its existence. But I think in the last even three years to five years, there's been like a huge outcry of people saying like, enough's enough, whether it's, right. you know, uh, social injustice or body image um, conversations or self-worth. Like as much as I look at the social platform and, and so many people can easily see like the destruction that, that can be caused with it. Like there is such power in it to cause change and to create action and to inspire. That's right. And, to gather content. And I think, you know, it's like, how are we utilizing this? And I think in the current climate too, that's, it's, it's been so incredibly powerful and it can be used for such good. So I, I think I, you know, I say that, um, but you also like, we, we talk about your own energy and your own like well being, right? So it's, you know, managing constantly being a part of the conversation and toiling with it and being a part of the social media world and the platforms and whatnot, but also still having the element to like take a step back and genuinely have conversations with yourself away from all of that and conversations with people around you. And even more importantly, I feel like right now is like have conversations that are outside of your circle, like the people you don't usually spend time with. Uh, good one. Yeah. Because as much as you can start the conversation on and and have some of that on social media, like the genuineness comes from the real conversation that takes place away from it. Love that. And so couldn't agree more. I think you know the genuineness is is so being called for on on platforms, and I'm so grateful that that is. I feel like the turn that is that has really started to happen. Um, but man, yeah. I guess my biggest thing is like I encourage people you know, if you feel called from social media, you know, to, to address something or to, to, you know, that it's just really pulled at your heartstrings, like talk to your people, sit down and have conversations. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. One thing I would add to that too, is, you know, what are you offering? You know, going back to the contributing or taking, right. I feel like social media or all these platforms like and and you do this well but like you you offer a vibe you know you offer an energy 
you know, and it's, it's to contribute, it's to be authentic, it's to be genuine, it's to, but that is part of your offer, you know, and I feel like we could try to inspire people to, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just, oh, I was just going to say like, it's a hundred percent. You're right. Like you're right on the money. It's, you know, social media is a huge part of like the entertainment industry. Um, And I can't tell you how many times like the conversation about like, my social following and like my my lack thereof social following or the fact that i have some sort of whatever whatever you want to call it um and whether that like dictates whether you either get a job or you are you know you're in a position or whether you're considered for things um you know and it drives me absolutely bonkers (laughs) and like so i constantly sit there and i'm like oh well maybe like do do i need to like figure out a better like approach to my own social media and like because I don't have an approach I actually am so bad with social media and I'm like I have no clue the only thing I know is like just be myself and so and that's it I get people making fun of me all the time because I have so many pictures of kids and my nieces and my godchildren and you know I I just absolutely adore children and I and I'm super goofy like I always I have no shame like I will post pictures of myself that are very unflattering <laughs> but like it makes me laugh like that is my objective right, um and that's right. who i am and does it mean that i lose followers and does it mean that i like lose you know whatever i'm like that it's not liked as much i'm like yeah but i don't give a rat's butt like that's who i am and yeah. so like if you're not if you're not here to like enjoy that sort of like engagement and who i am then like then you don't really need to be and like i don't need to really I don't need to tailor to you if that makes sense like right that's not that's not who I am it's not who I I love but I I love that authenticity and and just going back to what I said I really do feel like the world is seeking that craving that more than ever right now yeah so no doubt well that's a a great segue to sources um Cam where do you get inspiration from (laughs) every person I meet every moment of every day um, and even if I don't meet them, my goodness, the joy, I think I, I find so much joy in the playfulness of, of a kid, you know, whether it's walking down the strand and somebody, you know, is on a scooter and, or it's so dumb. It's even like dogs and, you know, like families, I get so much inspiration from people. I just, I watch, um, the athletes I work with, the stories that I've been told, um, the circumstances that have been overcome for so many of the people that I've worked with and that I've gotten to cover. And, um, you know, it's so, it's so much easier to be inspired when you are involved with people and you're connecting with people. Like if you're having a hard time being inspired, talk to somebody like you're probably just sitting there and you're not like, it's like, well, where do I go from here? Do I read, do I read a book? Yeah. Some that can absolutely inspire, but like, connect with people and even if you're an introvert and like you don't have the energy or you're exhausted and you know just like but spend the time connecting with people I guess that's love that I find all of my inspiration from the people around me love that you know the most inspiring people that I've spoken with uh, on this project and just people that I've known in my life um, are unconditionally inspired right like the conditions around them it, it doesn't really matter too much it's it comes from within, you know, I feel like you have that. And I, and the other cool thing that I wanted to recognize is that, you know, you, you basically said everywhere, Aaron, I get inspiration everywhere. And I love that again, the champions that I talk to um, that answer like that inspire me because 
you can find it everywhere. Um, if you if you kind of wake up and, and start your day with that choice, like yeah, man, look at look, look how much look how much inspiration is all around me and within, right? So like I don't know, it's kind of like a paradox of like not being so conditional of looking at, around too much, but also looking around for the inspiration. I don't know if that makes sense. No, hundred percent. You know, I think, um, and especially like in in these times and in and quarantining and not being able to like as easily go out and spend time with people and connect um you have to fight for joy you have to seek joy every single day um yeah there excuse me there are moments i wish i could just you know watch a movie hang out lay in bed and yes that does bring me joy sometimes but it's like you know i ultimately like giving is my biggest where i i gain the most joy and so you're having a hard time finding joy um give it's crazy how reciprocal it is like i even as exhausted as i am like if i go in there's no better feeling to me than like coaching yeah i i like i love as exhausting as it is like i always and it's frustrating as it is and but like when there's a breakthrough with a kid or they figure something out or when even i celebrate when they're struggling because i'm like yes this is like this is the moment they're going to get better they're going to have a big moment it's like just fight and seek for those joys find the struggles and find the joy in in getting better and i don't know if that makes sense it's kind of convoluted totally does so reciprocal give to the people around you and your cup will be filled mm, beautiful uh great segue to the lightning round <laughs> we made it quicker sorry i'm no I'm, no no this is great yeah i just keep going no this is awesome you're doing great having fun too uh can how do you define success and what does being successful mean to you oh good question my goodness uh quick answer i have to look at what i wrote down because i thought it was um oh uh yeah i talked about in my in my brain i think it's you know have i connected with people in a genuine context um and have i inspired the people around me like that to me is how I define success is, in, is trying to help inspire through other people's stories. And did they walk away feeling like they found value in the conversation we had? Uh-oh, oh, the Wi-Fi got stuck again. Oh, do I need to re-go? Are you there? Yeah. You got me? Yeah. Let's, let's do that one more time. Cause that was so good, but, but yeah, okay. you got me. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Um, okay, cool. Okay. So, so sorry, but let's just do that one more time. How do you define success and what does being successful mean to you? Uh, success to me is, oh man, whether or not I've connected and inspired the people around me. Um, have I genuinely left a conversation or an interaction and had them walk away feeling like there was worth and value in, in the conversation we had? Um, whether that's just for comedic relief, whether that's for a deeper conversation, whether it's philosophical, whether it's faith-based, you know, like have I impacted that person's life and how can I, how can I use their, their story in their life to impact others? That's my, my idea of success. So inspiring. I love it. How do you consider the idea of failure? (laughs) An opportunity for growth. You know, we talked about it earlier. You can't have uh, success without failure. At least from my experience, <laughs> my biggest growth um, and opportunities for growth have come through my biggest failures. Uh, so 
yeah, look at it as painful as it, as some of those failures are, um, look at them with genuine enthusiasm and some competitive grit and recognize like, this is your moment. This is your moment to succeed. Mm, love that. What are the most successful habits that you do on a consistent basis? <laughs> we talked about this too, having a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's a habit whether I, I want to keep it or not. <laughs> it's there. Um, and it definitely has has fueled me, you know, and it's, it's it's a chip, but it's just, you know, the underdog mentality, like earn, earn what you get. And don't just feel like, you know, something's being given to you. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, I want to fight for the things that I'm passionate about. Um, and that's the habit I think I have is I fight and I am insanely passionate about um, pursuing what I feel like I'm called to do. Yeah, for sure. Can I add in hard work too? Because yeah. you just you just seem like such a hard worker. <laughs> I probably should do that. But I mean, I think if you're pursuing with full passion, like the hard work is just, it just happens. You know, like if you're pursuing wholeheartedly the things that you need to. And it doesn't feel like hard work, right? No. Oh my gosh. Well, some, right. sometimes it, <laughs> lack of sleep is always the thing that gets me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So for every guest that comes on, I, I think of a word that best describes that person. And sometimes it's a phrase, but for you, I, I came up with two words. Um, and you can tell me if it resonates for you. I think it will. Passionately enthusiastic. Yeah. I, you sent this, the questions to me and the, the word I have is passionate. Okay. Well, we're on the same page. <laughs> right on the same page. Yeah. Um, almost. And it's to a fault, you know, like, uh, I, I feel the joys so heavily, uh, and the sorrows so heavily. And so, you know, sometimes it can be <laughs> like an emotional roller coaster. Um, but I also think that's what enables me to hopefully, you know, sit down and connect with people is because I can feel, I, I feel everything all the yeah. time. And so I, I think it's one of my, my strongest qualities, but one I also have to be very careful of because it can be sure. very, very taxing. Sure. But you know what I love though? I love that you allow yourself to feel those feels. I feel like a lot of people don't allow that, you know, you, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like it's, I'm just going to tell you this. It's very rare for me to go through a day without shedding a tear. And when I say like crying, I, I legitimately get so worked up <laughs> whether it's like, and it's, it's for joys and it's for pains. Um, it's just, it's for coaching. It's for, uh, just conversations with people. Anytime I bring up my family, uh, you know, it's more often than not, I will get choked up. Uh, so I can't, I, I try and control it. Uh, but I just have no way of doing it for some odd reason. My brain and my heart are just wired. Like I, I just feel everything. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. I think that's part of the habits too, that you allow yourself to do that, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. We easily try and hide because it's, it's hard to be vulnerable. Vulnerable. I, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I did not used to be so much that way. Um, you know, I was always passionate and like aggressive, but the vulnerability, the empathy, that was something I had to learn later on. Right, right. Um, cool. Uh, let's move on. What is the most important lesson that has, helped, that has helped shape who you are today? Empathy. Without it. Ooh. Ooh, good one. Can, can, can you like explain that? Because I think I know what you mean, but just tell me what you mean a little bit more. Um, so I 
have always <laughs> throughout my athletic career and just like general career now, but I guess I've, I've learned it through my athletic career. Um, I was always kind of in a, a position of leadership. You know, I was a setter, so you're running the offense and typically like, you know, it, everything comes down to kind of you and how you manage everything that's going on on the court, at least on indoor volleyball, you know? And I always was from the time I was like 12 to 18 through club volleyball. Like I was typically the captain of my teams and, you know, I wore that. I always felt the responsibility of leadership um, and I wore it very proudly. And I got to the university of Oregon and um, I was not in a position of, of leadership. And I had to figure out ways to still like lead from, from being a follower. And so that was some of the greatest lessons I learned while at Oregon was how, how can I connect with my teammates um, and just be there for them. And, and I think I learned to just sh like show up and do the hard work and help um, service everyone else to like get to a common goal. Um, but then when I went to Washington state, I was kind of like thrust same thing into a, a, a position of leadership again. And I, <laughs> I will never forget. I am so indebted to all of my teammates at Washington state, um, and my coaches too, cause <laughs> it was incredibly challenging. Like we were in a time when Washington state, like had, I, I transferred and like, they hadn't won a conference game before. And I'm going, Oh boy, like we're all called like all 18 of us are meant to like rebuild this program and I'm supposed to be like helping to lead the charge. <laughs> and I thought that, you know, like I was this great leader and that I was leading these women and that like, this is the way you do it. You do it with hard work and, and you have to, you know, have these attributes. And, and I realized because my team came to me, I will never forget the moment. It was after we lost to Colorado. I think it was my, my junior year. So I went through my sophomore year thinking that I was, you know, doing a, a good job and trying to help and doing everything that I could. And I, yeah, I think it was junior year. My, my team came to me and we lost and I will never see the uh, mile high city <laughs> the same way. And that gym the same way, because that locker room changed my life. I went back there and my team looked at me and they were like, you think you're leading us. You have no idea. None of us want to follow you. And it was the biggest wake up call like I've ever had in my entire life. Um, so incredibly grateful that they were willing to come at me like that. And just like, I had a huge, like come to God moment. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? And I realized like, I am not listening. This is, I'm, I'm acting more like a dictator than I am a leader. And so oh. the concept of empathy is like the first thing that triggered in my mind. Like, what are you really doing for these women? Have you genuinely talked to them? Like, what are they struggling with? Is it their homework? Is it that they can't hit a certain crossbody shot? Are they not getting reps they need? Am I not, um, am I not just showing up and being there? Am I not, you know, giving them rides places? Like it's, it's as simple as just servicing your team and helping in any way you can. And I thought that like by me working as hard as I could and, and telling people what to do versus like genuinely asking them, what do you need from me? How, right, right. how can I lead you better? Um, it was the, the greatest lesson I think I've ever learned. Um, and I'm those women, <laughs> I, I don't know if they'll ever listen to this, but they, I am so incredibly grateful to them because it was a practice and it was a, I had to build trust. I had to rebuild a foundation and 
um, I had to genuinely learn like whether it was me sitting down with my teammates and going through like I, I, their assignments for the next week. Like I would build out their planner and that's how I could best serve that athlete and learning also that not everybody approaches and performs doing the same things I do. Like some, some athletes are better not practicing as much. And I couldn't even conceptualize that, like that, that thought. And so understanding like some people are just, they need, their bodies need more rest and maybe they get too worked up if they're doing, you know, a, this approach or this approach. So just understanding where somebody's coming from, how they genuinely asking, like, how do you best function? How can I service you in that? Um, the, the whole idea of empathy and understanding and taking the time to learn about people to try and kind of be the best possible leader. And this is something I'm still working on every day. Like, yeah, I yeah, fail, I fail at it every day. Um, but it ultimately comes down to like care, like how much do yeah. you really care for that person? Because if you care for that person, you will have empathy for that person. And what like, and it's, you know, it's so many people always conceptualize the idea of empathy with the word sympathy and it's, they're, very different context. <laughs> right. I think it's like genuinely spending the time to know somebody and to, to come alongside somebody versus like coming at somebody. I had to learn the difference. Yeah. Too. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I want to respond to that um, because what's, what came to my mind is this not having judgment, right? Yeah. Because it's so yeah. easy to have judgment um, and also meeting others on their level first. Oh, that's, that's exactly what I was just saying. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's a, the difference between, um, like you do not lead by coming, being above someone or coming from a position of, you know, authority over the top. Like I just always, right. so it's, you know, such an image to me of right. like being out in front when in reality leadership is being alongside and maybe even potentially behind somebody and pushing, helping to push them along. Um, and that's just an image that always circulates in my brain. It's like, I am here with you. We are, we will do this together. I'm not here to tell you what to do. There's no judgment here. We are going to figure this out together. Yeah. It actually reminds me of two on two beach volleyball, right? Cause that's kind of what you got to do on the court. Yep. I mean, it's got, it's what you got to do in life. Right. It's what you got to do in sport. It's what you got to do in life. Like it's what you have to do in relationships. Right. Um, huge lesson. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, just a few more here, Cam. Can you share the biggest challenge you've been through on your journey? Oh, there's so many. Um, gosh, I, what did I end up writing down? Because <laughs> this one was, uh, shoot, biggest challenge. And, and, and you can say whatever you want, but I'd actually love to hear a little bit more about that injury and how you were able to kind of use that as a blessing. Cause we kind of touched on that earlier, but you can, you can say something else if you want. Um, I, you know, some of the biggest, definitely the injury was a huge challenge um, because it still challenges me today, you know, like living with pain and what does that look like? And how does that like kind of affect your future um, and fighting for your health every day? So it's definitely a huge, huge challenge, but I think another one is just, um, maintaining uh, a, a personal life <laughs> is a huge challenge in, in what I do. Right. Uh, you know, I think it's, we, we are, and I'm so wired to like constantly give and work and work and work. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in the place in my life where I, 
I had the opportunity to be able to like just constantly give. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, what else is, there are other things that are really, really important to me and that matter to me. Um, so making sure that like you, there is a balance and finding some of that balance, I think is, is a real challenge uh, to me. Um, and I think I'm kind of in a, in a period where I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking so I don't know if that makes sense at all. Like, yeah, it does. Like having, you know, and it's, it doesn't even have to be like one-on-one. -on -one. It's just like the people that are super important to me. Am I making sure that I'm still, am I, am I still being a good friend? Am I still being a good mm. friend? Am I still being a good, um, yeah, like just a member of society, even in general, like I need to make sure I'm still there for the people that are there for me. I think that's the, the, the easiest and simplest way to answer that question. That's beautiful. Um, just, I hope so. I don't know if that makes any sense. I feel like no, just, it is. Oh. No, it, it's, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, especially someone who's on camera and we were talking about being on all the time. That is a challenge, you know, and, and to be able to just be like, okay, you know, let me separate these different aspects of me. I think that's a huge challenge. It's a challenge for me too. Um, talk about the big, biggest challenge you see for your athletes when you coach them. Mm. Uh, vulnerability. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but being vulnerable enough to show that you care, to show that you want to win, to show that you're competitive. Uh, I think there is for a lot of the athletes that I've, I've worked with. And again, I speak, when I speak to this, I'm, I'm generally speaking towards like youth athletics, you know, I sure. don't yeah. do a professional setting That's, um, yeah. and, and not have these attributes and that's also what i'm trying to tell you know the young the younger generation excuse me is like you're not going to get to where you want to go unless you you have these attributes like you have to have passion it doesn't have to always come out in the same way you mm -hmm. don't have to you know express it or emote it um but like you genuinely have to try hard and you have to care i think you know i, I work with a lot of kids that have a ton of help technically so like they they get phenomenal coaching and they have they have thousands and thousands and thousands of reps but it's like what's going to set you apart and i think because i didn't have the thousands and thousands of reps and i didn't have the elite coaching um like i always had to lean on my will to win my will to compete and my will to work hard um and like finding joy and the competition and not being scared to show that um hmm. answer the question no that's great i i i the, the question was about the challenge for the athletes and i think that is it i think that's a huge challenge and i i would build on that because i coach kids too and i would say the challenge for that i see in them is for them to stay inspired outside of the game um another big reason why i decided to do this project because i like when you I've been telling people that have come on the show, like about the Instagram generation or the device generation, yeah. right? Like they're so into those things and it's such a challenge. I feel like for them to be not so desensitized, you, you, you talked earlier about your sensitivity. I think that's an attribute. I think that I, I'm the same way. I think that's good, you know, but I think the challenge that I see is that life's becoming quicker. You know, technology is becoming faster. Right. And like, and, and, they get stuck in these devices and, and, and these worlds, these, these zoom worlds, these Instagram worlds, you know, and it's like, 
I think the challenge is to not to be not to be too stuck in those worlds and also to find like we went back going back to the inspiration finding it everywhere like find it everywhere you know yeah uh without a doubt you know I I guess I always challenge the next generation to like to not be to not be fearful to care um it, it's cool to care it's, yeah yeah things that matter it's cool to fight for something it's cool to be challenged like life's not meant to be easy it's, it's yeah not um and how about this one how about to dream big you know that's another thing like dream big you know that's for us too you know yeah. you're talking to a girl that when i grew up in a, a three three uh three-way stop sign town and <laughs> on a you know 10 acres and you tell people that you want to you know, tell stories on ESPN and you know, they look at you and they're like, well, luckily I had wonderful people surround me that were like, yes, of course you can do anything you want. But like, yeah, people are going to call you crazy. Like, and to say like, I want to compete in the Pac-12 conference. That was a dream I had no joke since I was five years old. And right. to say like, I'm coming out of rural Washington and like, <laughs> I want to be a professional volleyball player. Yeah. People probably look at you like you're a little crazy. Right. Uh, you know, I think it's different now than even when I was playing, but, um, oh gosh. Yeah. People told me, I even had coaches, uh, tell me that I would, I could only play D3 volleyball <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Or like going to camps and to these huge camps when I was like 16 years old, um, to spry and, and, you know, all these like elite volleyball camps and being like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go to Oregon and then being like, for real and i'm right, like right. oh gosh you know and like can i make it and have you having the naysayers um again thank you all of you <laughs> yeah yeah no same with me same with me at ucla you know I, I i was undersized and i i can completely relate but i think going back to that challenge right is like the challenge is to not worry about what other people think you know and to really get clear on your inner voice and just yeah and not have the fear of failure like we all fail yeah like we all fail. I right. fail a hundred times a day. Right. But just knowing like, just pick yourself back up. It happens to everybody and be okay telling people that. So they feel more encouraged to say like, yeah, I failed at this. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I just thought of what you said, cause Brandy, you know, I just had her on last, last week, Brandy Wilkerson and um, you know, she's getting ready to go to the Olympics and she's a, you know, she's, she's an incredible athlete, but she was like, failure is awesome. I love failure. You know, and, and I feel like a lot of champions of, of, of inspired living use failure as a tool. They don't use it as something to like uh, get too bogged down with, you know, like, oh yeah, shoot, I failed that. Okay. What adjustments can I make? Yeah. People will just see it as like, oh, maybe this isn't what I'm meant to do. And this isn't like, this isn't the thing for me. And I right. see the opposite. Right. So. Awesome. Um, how important is the idea of having impact to you? It's everything. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's yeah. my every day. Uh, I mean, that's, I, I do what I do because all I want to do is try and help impact. And um, whether it's with youth sports and coaching, which I don't even really get to do much anymore, which I miss dearly, you know, or it's storytelling and, and being an encouraging voice and a voice of joy um, and a joy and a voice to inspire. It's like that to me is, is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. I share that with you. I feel like right now, I, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm supposed to do a lightning round here, but you're, you're inspiring some thoughts in me, but I, uh, I feel like right now in the world, agree or not, 
let me know your thoughts on this. I feel like the world is like, I just care about me. I don't really care about you. I feel like that's kind of like the collective <laughs> vibe out there. I don't, I, I don't want to buy into that. I just kind of feel that. Yeah. Do you feel that? Um, this is funny because I was just having a conversation with my sister. So um, there's this huge, which it, when I say this, I have to make sure I stipulate that yeah. you need to take care of yourself. Right. But right. it'll be like a self, what, what's the good word? Um, like, uh, gosh, darn, what's the concept where it's like, you got to make sure like um, me time and taking care of yourself and, you know, you, you can't give if you don't have anything in your own sure. cup. And um, I feel like I would see that a little differently. Um, yes. Like you have to get sleep. Yes. You need relaxation. Yes. You need all of those things and you need to be fulfilled in, in those things. But like, ultimately, like, it shouldn't be about making sure like you're okay. I, I, at least that's, I live my life that way. I, I try and sacrifice. I, I, I'm the opposite. I, I sacrifice to a fault where like my world around me is maybe falling apart. Like, you know, whether it's my car or my laundry's not done, or I haven't had the conversations with my friends. Like I am the opposite. Like I, I've sacrificed a lot of those things. Um, and I like, I have to give. I have to give, I have to give, because that's what fulfills um, at least my heart and my soul. And now I'm starting to realize like, okay, just making sure you're giving to all the things you need to give to. I, I think I get so cornered into like, I have to give in these three areas of my life, um, but just making sure like, I kind of still diversify where yeah. giving and prioritize really. Yeah, and I think what you were saying earlier is like, you have to prioritize self-care, but you also have to see yourself as a shepherd. For yeah. others and and the biggest self-care for me is to give to others like that mm. how i care for, i care for this is a perfect example i care for myself by giving to others Love it. that's what makes me happy that's what gives me joy well i think you just answered my next question which is what is your ultimate why yeah that is why <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like a hundred percent like it, it's almost selfish to a fault like i get such joy out of giving and i get such joy out of telling people's story um like that's my, my why is because this is what I'm, I feel like I have been set up to do. I've, I've had so many experiences in my life. Um, like this is my why is because like, I want to help. I want to be there for you. I want, yeah. to, I want to tell your story. Um, and, I want to help. And yeah. And when did you know that? When did you figure that out? Hmm. I've never been asked that question. It's a tricky one, right? Because I share that same why with you. I have that why as well, but it, it took a while for me to figure that out. Um, oof. There's a lot of levels to this. I think, um, oh man. I think it, it boils down to my faith and like what I feel in that. Um, hmm that's really hard. So I, do, I don't know if I can pinpoint a moment yeah. because I yeah, think okay. it's more of, I think it's more of a journey. Uh, I think yeah. that's you know, maybe a cliche to say, um, but man, I don't know. Yeah, it is, it's, it's, it definitely comes down to like the moments that maybe something clicks or something happens, whether it's coaching and somebody gets it and you're like, I affected that person's life. I impacted that person's life. Um, 
So yeah, maybe it's a series. I'm going to say it's a series of moments. Yeah. And circumstances and experiences versus like one big moment. Sure. No, and that and that makes sense. And I think you're right. And I think part of again the the bigger why for my project for this whole thing is to try to uh, inspire others to think about that more. It, it's not like one answer. It's not. It, it's but it's a thought process. Like you said, it's a journey. And I and I kind of wish for me anyway. I thought about that when I was growing up. But like you're you're having fun, you're playing sports when you're growing up, and you're regimented. You you go to school, like everything's so like you're you know. I just wish that I was encouraged to think about that more, you know. I don't think that. I mean, that's not something I've ever. Uh, it's probably something I should like when you're working with. Yeah. People, like what is what is your why? Right. Then it's yeah, it's a huge it's a huge question. Yeah, it is. And yeah, for me, it, the it comes down to like the the moments with somebody. And I don't even know if you can like define them, but it's like those life impacting those. And it's as simple as like a smile. It could be a conversation. It could be a huge conversation, but like it comes down to those, those moments when I think we truly and genuinely connect with one another. Yeah. And, and that connection, uh, when you're clear and you have that clarity, that connection just exponentially gets better, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's why I would encourage, you know, whether wh whoever's listening to this, whether they're a youth athlete, a parent, a coach, whatever part of your journey you're on, like think about your why a little bit and think about the clarity of that so that when you have these interactions and these connections, these connections are amazing, right? Because you're so clear on your why. Like why else are we here? <laughs> yeah. Here well, well, no. Okay. So, but, but on that, so it kind of begs the question, why not? right? It's like, why? Why not? You know what I mean? But like, and that's easy. It's easy to say that. But I, I asked that question and I put that into these questions because um, it provokes action too. It's not just your mindset. It's like, yeah, why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Which I mean, it, and everyone's why is different. Like maybe, maybe right. action, maybe your action is, maybe you're called to be just like a great mom, like a stay-at-home mom. Sure. Like, what's that action look like? You know, is it waking up and taking care of the kids and, or maybe you're called to be a great husband, or maybe you're called to be a great coach, or maybe you're called, you know, to whatever it is that you might be called to, like it, all of those callings take action. I don't think there's a single singular thing that right. like, didn't require your action. Right. Okay, cool. Um, I want to ask you about your advice. What, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received and why? Uh, that would be probably, probably from my mother. <laughs> um, and it's, I shared it earlier. It's, I think it's most relative to my life right now is be a human being and not a human. Being. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then like, whether it was, it was always unspoken too, but just like ultimately to love on people mm. and from both of my parents, like the best thing you can do is just love on people and not be scared to tell people that and it sometimes it makes people really uncomfortable but i that's i almost makes me like it even more <laughs> yeah no that's great i love that uh cam looking back on your journey is there anything you wish you could change and why no good um only because like there are things i i i will always wish i had <laughs> I always wish I had a national championship. I always wish I could be an Olympian. I always wish I could, you know, there's, there's all these things. Um, 
but I am so grateful that I didn't get a lot of those. I'm so grateful for the journey that I did have because yeah, I have an amazing, I have an amazing life right now and it's full of insane challenges and there are moments of absolute pain and heartache and stress and exhaustion. Um, but with that, it's like the greatest calling and so fun for me to get to do what I'm so passionate about. And um, like, I wouldn't, if I hadn't gone to Washington state, I wouldn't have met the people I had. I wouldn't have learned the lessons from my teammates. I wouldn't have the journalism degree I have. I wouldn't have pursued, you know, certain things. So like, even though I, I might not have that national championship, like I have something that's so meaningful to me. And that is my relationships with the people who taught me the, some of the biggest lessons in my life. So, you know, there are, there are things I wish I had, but I'm grateful for not having them at the same time. Mm. Well said. Okay. Last question. Talk to me about fulfillment. W what does fulfillment mean to you? It, uh, it changes every day, but I think the, the, the base for me is, um, obviously impact, you know, going through those things, like the things that really fill your cup, um, inspiring people. And it is also having, um, really great people around you. You know, I think, um, fulfillment is like, it's different for everybody. You know, fulfillment to me is having a family, like whether, whatever that your nucleus looks like, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter. It's just like, do you have a nucleus and whether your family is just your friends or, um, you know, for me, it's just like still my, I don't have, you know, any kids or anything on my own or anything, but like I have my family and my support system. Um, and my friends are a huge, huge piece of that and bless their freaking heart because I don't have <laughs> a ton of time with, with my people, but they're always, they're always supporting, you know, like whether it's, just as simple as tuning into a broadcast or sending me a note or um, just like letting me show up and be there. And um, that to me is like a huge part of fulfillment is connecting with my people and being with my people and, and just again, loving on, on everybody. Cameron Irwin. wow, this was, this was so much fun. I, I mean, what a, what a, like we went deep. <laughs> I don't, I hope we had, I didn't bore anybody as with my jabber um, because Lord knows I can go on and on. And these are the kind of conversations I, I love to have. Um, but I also like am a huge work in progress. So like, I hope y'all don't think I have it figured out because I definitely do not. <laughs> <laughs> and me too, you know, but again, I, I, I know we went over our time a little bit, but I, I'm very grateful for you for, for allowing us to, to go this deep and talk about these things that I think are foundational, you know, yeah. and, and to anyone listening, I hope that we, uh, we provided some value for you and you guys can take any of this stuff and relate it to your own lives. So Cam, thank you so much. Um, just, just share with us real quick how people can find more about you. Um, ooh, uh, well, I'm on Instagram. I am on the social platforms. Um, that's probably where more people reach out to me than anything else. Um, I'm on Twitter too, but at Cameron Irwin, I spell it weird. C-A-M-R-Y-N, Irwin, I-R-W-I-N. Um, thanks, my older sister, for that name. <laughs> weird. Um, but anyways, yeah, you can find me on social platforms. I try to really engage as much as possible. Hopefully, I do a good job with that. So shoot me a message. Um, yeah, and I'd love to chat. I'd love to chat with you. Awesome. You. <laughs> awesome. You rocked it today. Thank you so much, Cam. 
Well, thanks for having me on and hopefully uh, I can help, you know, inspire some other folks and uh, you inspire me as well. So thanks for doing oh. it. It's awesome that you're, you know, spending the time and having these conversations because I think we need to all have more conversations like this. Mm. Thank you very much. Well, uh, we should do a part two sometime. So oh, let's well, do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Cam, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Okay, bye. This episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys, Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement. And they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.com. .co.uk